welcome to this episode of Talking About Rock. I'm Rob Edwards. Today's metal guest has reemerged on the speed metal scene. The band originally formed in 1985, Peekskill, New York, and after breaking up and reuniting in 2013, and after two studio albums, World Circus, and Think This, they are back to answer the metal call once again. Here to chat about their new album, Dismorta, due out August 5th, please welcome to the show Josh Christian from Toxic. Hey, Josh, how are you, man? Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me, man. Excellent, excellent. So tell us a little about background about the band and reuniting and stuff. That's that's excellent, man. I'm really happy about that. Well, it's been a pretty long progress or process, I should say. Um, we started first reforming. You know, we were we haven't hadn't been together since the early 90s. So our first shot at coming back around was in the early 2000, 2007. Uh, and revolved around getting a, a documentary made. Someone wanted to make a documentary about the band. The documentary didn't get off the ground and neither did the band, but it kind of kicked us into that mindset that, hey, maybe there's something to do here. And you know, a few years more went by and one thing led to another. And honestly, now it's, <laughs> I think I've been around more with Toxic now than we were in our first iteration. Like we've been really kind of doing it now since 2013, 2014. So um longer this time than the first time and um right now it's it's fantastic looking forward to a new record coming out and yeah everything's really great man excellent excited. excellent yeah i mean rock and metal is definitely starting to be re-energized all over the place and with all the different mm -hmm. tours coming out and different projects it's really yeah. great to see you know and i was reading some stuff on you you're being described as like the gymnast on the guitar but actually your metal focus was drums at first correct yeah, when I first started as a kid, I played drum. Well, I played guitar and drums kind of at the same time, but I ended up going back to guitar later on because I couldn't write songs from behind the drum set. And that was what really kind of decided, made the decision final for guitar. And that was way back when I was about 19 years old. So that's a long time ago. <laughs> Got it. So who are were some of your musical influences when you were starting out with? Well, um, I am a product of my environment and a child of my times. Um, I was, of course, as a young, young guy, introduced to all the same classic hard rock that everyone else was. I was fortunate enough to be coming into my teen years right when real metal was kicking off. Um, I was part of that young group of cassette traders when I was 12, 13 years old. So um, I got exposed pretty early on um, to European metal, not just British Invasion, because of course that was Priest and Maiden, and then Scorpions to a lesser degree, but I was more focused on the other stuff, the harder stuff, like Motorhead was big for me, then Venom, Merciful Fate, like those bands really kind of what, what opened me up to wanting to do heavier music. I'm an American, so I liked Motley Crue. Motley Crue was what came after Van Halen, right? So I right. liked that. But there was something more tangible and more real about Merciful Fate, very much, uh, especially. Merciful Fate was big for me um, it, they, because they really bridged the, the gap between sort of the darker themes and the heavier music. But they still had a power metal element to them. And then along comes Metallica and again, Venom 2 a bit. Um, and yeah, it just was a great time to be a kid, man. I, oh, I'm, definitely. I'm, I know. I was the same way. I mean, we had cassettes and, you know, you get to, you could record your, your friend's cassette if you had the dual tape deck and stuff like that. Yeah. Or you exactly. could actually, you were, that back then we were recording songs off the radio, right? You could, that you could too, do that yeah. type of thing though. And But I, I remember when, when Metallica came out, 
with Ride the Lightning. And I wasn't really into the, to the hardcore speed metal yet, but they came out with that album. That was a game changer for me. That was just amazing. That's my favorite Metallica record. You know, you see people ask what their favorite record is from Metallica. I, uh, Kill Em All is great. Master of Puppets is great. I really like those first few records. But Ride the Lightning is my personal favorite. Yeah, I just thought the the songwriting was and playing was amazing on it, really. Definitely. And it, it was heavier than Kill Em All. Kill Em All was cool, but it was still like, kind of speedy and hyper whereas there was like a there is something really heavy about ride the lightning that you know can, 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 that that riff and that tune specifically for whom the bell tolls was just yeah for whom the bell tolls i love, love fade to black i really yeah. preferred that Actually, i was like yeah. driving my dad's granada and we had it like <laughs> on set you know what i mean right, like right. seriously ah, this is amazing you know to your point earlier about recording stuff off the radio we um we had a show in new york that uh, came out of a uh, down county closer to the city called midnight metal matt o'shaughnessy's midnight metal and i couldn't you know again i was a pretty young guy i i was just starting to work i was building an album collection but you know i couldn't afford to buy every record i wanted to right so right. what i would do is i would record those shows like midnight metal and wsou sure. and i would go to bed and leave my recorder on and then wake up the next day and basically listen to that tape all week and that was how I got exposed to a lot of stuff, too. So thanks to Matt O'Shaughnessy for turning me on to lots of good music. That's where I found Nasty Savage, Exciter, um, you know, and stuff like, you know, other stuff, too, like Leatherwolf and Armored Saint. Like, there was other shit that was happening at that time, too, you know? Yeah, so, we, talk, yeah. we talked with Dean a while back from uh, Leatherwolf, Dean Roberts. They're, they're re-energized again, and they're coming back again and playing yeah, shows. Yeah. They were killer, man. I love them. And then Fate's Warning and that whole school of stuff. Like, there was just so much good music in those days yeah definitely definitely was it it was a totally different time totally different time so we talked a little bit about songwriting with other bands so kind of can you maybe walk us through a little bit of what your process is and how it's been uh recording in this crazy world that, that we are in now recording the new album yeah i i mean i think that our our process the more that i've talked with people about this the more i kind of have come to understand that we pretty much write like a lot of other bands do we write riffs first it usually starts on the guitar. Um, I, I write off of guitar mostly. I mean, sometimes I'll write from piano, maybe here and there, but for the most part, it's guitar. Um, riff first, goes to a beat, come up with a beat, come up with a melody on top of that, come up with lyrics. When that's all said and done, solos are the last thing to come on board. That's kind of our process. That's how we work. Um, on Dismorta, it was more organic than, than the recordings, the EPs that we had been doing over the years prior to this. Like, we did a couple of things. We recorded in 2014, 2017, 2018. And all three of those EPs were basically me in my house doing my parts and then sending out for everyone else to do their parts. This time around, we did it like a real band. It was like a real recording. Um, and you can hear that. You, I, I think that's the big difference between Dismorta, the long play, and the EPs leading up to this. The real difference is that we did it as a real band. And you, there's definitely, you can hear that on recordings. You can tell when it's yeah. a project versus a band. There's a difference. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you guys were actually able to get into the studio and get some time and, and be there together and stuff. Well, our houses were the studio. Oh, okay. I mean, it was still basically like, yeah, we still did it like that, but we did it very much as a band. Like I went and stayed with Jim for 10 days and lived in his house and we totally like took over his house to record. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it was, it was really cool. It was a very, very cool experience. Excellent. Excellent. 
So uh, I want to talk a little bit about the, uh, the the track power, and I was listening to it a couple times today, and it's it's really like a call to order for me. It's like summoning the masses, and I and I hear a lot of Ingve elements or influences to it, which is which is really cool because I, I really like the old Ingve stuff, you know. So, but yeah. tell us about the track power. Ingve is probably one of the, the not I'll answer the question too, but just as long as you said Ingve, Ingve is sort of like the master of phrasing. Early Ingve, Rising Forest, Marching Out, those first couple of records, man. Amazing. Untouchable. Untouchable. Fucking amazing, amazing talent, that guy. Yeah. And just a kid at just a kid at that point, too, you know. Yeah, I got to catch him here, was it last year? And he's still amazing live. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, no, Ingve kills it. He kills it. Even though he, even though he's looking more and more like Elvis Presley as he goes. You know? <laughs> right, right. I, I agree. Yeah, I don't I don't know himself in the mutton chops, but dude, but, he is totally metal Elvis, like with the square glasses and the rings, and then he's like, it's pretty cool. You're, you're, anyway. you're right. Yeah, you're definitely right there. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I didn't think about that part, but yeah. <laughs> and I and every time I see Ingve, I always think of the of the Pantera video where they're like chasing him with the donuts. Like I don't know if <laughs> I'll never. I every time I think of or seeing me, I think of that and I laugh. I, you know, and I love him. Like no diss to Ingvad, super super talent, but pretty funny. Um. Anyway, power is uh powers a, a kind of a protest song lyrically. It's not um a lot of the record is very dark. It's much more serious than World Circus and Think This. I mean, World Circus and Think This. We were young, we were kids, and you know, while we were playing with dark themes, we didn't really know what it meant. Now on this side of experience we have a much better handle on the darker side of life. And you can hear it in the lyrics. You can feel it in the music too. This album has a darkness to it. So power, you know, at least superficially, I would feel is like kind of one of the more sort of direct tunes on the record, easy for people to, it's accessible. You can get it the first, on a first listen or a second listen. But if you get into it a little more, you start to realize what it's really about. And it's, it's kind of challenging the church. It's challenging the idea of God being an ultimate authority without question when, we can't even really define that it's actually there. Um, and, you know, beware the powers that be. The, he who wields the word of God is the ultimate master. And that's that's a problem because yes, God that can be again. a scary problem. Right. Yeah, there's been a God, lot of there's been a lot of loony guys that thought they were wielding that power. Right. Yeah. You know, when people tell me they hear God, I'm like, OK, you know, like <laughs> right. Yeah, and yet, like again, and our somehow our reality, all of us, our reality is subjective. Like if you don't, if you don't tolerate that belief in, in like a complete supernatural, and again, I, I say this with all due respects to people, people's beliefs, but I really do feel that it's the reverse. It's, um, it's the religion itself. It's the organization that doesn't respect society. It's the intrusion into our lives. We're not intruding into their lives. I never tell anyone what to do, and yet on my dollar bill, it says in God, I trust. And I absolutely do not like it's totally an intrusion on me, not the other way around. So um, power is kind of more or less a shot at that. And musically, it definitely has some moments of some neoclassical guitar. I was leaning into my guitar playing on that song for sure. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I think it's an outstanding track for sure. And I wanted to play the video for it. And we'll be back uh, with Josh from Toxic. You're on Talking About Rock.
All right, we're back here on Talking About Rock with Josh from Toxic. Just uh, checked out the video for Power. Excellent, uh, very driving song. Just, just amazing with the like you're talking about a little bit, like some of the dark elements that you guys are putting into this new album. You, you can definitely feel that, feel that, and in, in in all the tracks I was able to listen to to on the album, just just really, uh, really, uh, you know, the songwriting and the style just is is phenomenal i really i was really digging it i must tell you you know that's really nice rob thanks no problem yeah so so not only this you've been doing but you've also what i've read you've composed and written stuff for television films and other interactive titles too so you're you're a busy guy yeah no i do <clears throat> i've spent the last 30 years making music in all kinds of different venues uh from live and rock with other people too i mean i've produced some records for other people and done a few solo records as well along the way. Yes, I've built, scored some film. I've worked on some television. I've done some interactive titles. I did some ad work. I did actually quite a bit of ad work. Um, yeah, you know, I just keep them busy doing music. Music is music. I have always sort of a, a adopted the uh, the philosophy that as long as I'm making music, I'm I'm kind of I'm happy. I like metal the most because it lets me play my guitar, and that's a whole other expression, a whole, another level of expression. Because there's a <clears throat> there's a high you know, like I have to really invest in that to get that out of it. So there's a different kind of reward, personal reward system with that. But just the the joy of making music really doesn't matter what kind of music it is. I feel that no matter what I'm doing when I'm creating. Yeah, it's just such an emotional connection, right? I mean, making it. Uh, listening to it you know when people connect with your songs and and you know things that you're saying it's it's always amazing when you see your audience you know really getting into that so yeah, I, as someone who's kind of like maybe like in a way I'm, I'm fairly expressive verbally like I'm able to communicate pretty well but it, I in in reality I don't express my feelings that well I think like a lot of people are like that I think like you, you can have a command of the language and be super expressive but never ever really convey a whole lot of emotion right like it, in fact if anything verbalization of things is a way to avoid being emotional because the more noise you can put out the less you have to really invest of yourself in a genuine way music's exactly the opposite it's all you it's all like of emotion and and ideas and i don't know that combination of like the desire to make something that you hope will entertain other people but that you're entertaining yourself with at the same time like it's cool man it's magic yeah, it really is when I when I think about it, I always think about the uh, lyrics for Triumph. Uh, music is the sounds inside your soul, and that's just that's what it is. You yes. know, what I mean, if you wanted to explain it to someone that that didn't couldn't you couldn't hear or didn't know it, that's that's what it is to me. That definitely yeah. sums, sums it up. Amazing, amazing creation. Like it's it's how we kind of know it's our you know it's our little it's it's how we know we're something special. You know, because we we are able to manifest that. Exactly, exactly. And another thing I always like to ask guitar players and check out what they're doing is what type of gear and equipment do you use? Have you changed it up a little bit? Do you go rack mount? Do you have certain stuff that you like? I, over the years, I've gone through all the various sort of, you know, iterations of gear preferences that people have had. I mean, we've all kind of, we did go from rack back to it, tube amps to modelers, now back to tube amps again, kind of people sort of getting over the whole Kemper thing and sort of finding their way back to their angles and their PV stuff um, or, or more expensive, you know. Uh, but the, um, I, I kind of use what I have available to me. Uh, I would love to sit here and, and brag about my boutique, you know, collection of stuff, but I'm a working class guy. 
I do have 30 plus guitars, but a lot of them are sort of like Frankenteles and strats that I've put together over the years. Um, I'm kind of the same way with my gear. I, I put stuff together that I think works and I'm not really married to any one thing at any given time. If something better comes along or I like the way something feels, it's kind of like the Van Halen thing. Eddie was like that too. If right. it works, you incorporate it in. And, and a lot of times people can't hear it because I, I really feel most of your tone, especially if you're a stylist, like I feel I'm kind of a stylized guitar player. It sounds like me no matter what I'm playing through, especially my solos. Like I can always sort of ID myself through my playing as opposed to my sound. So that frees me up and allows me to use a lot of different sounds. And like on Dismorta, I'm playing with a lot of different sounds. I've got wah pedals, I've got delays, I've got chorus and flanger going, I'm doubling, I've got the harmonizer running now and again. Like I used a lot of shit on this record much more than I ever did in the past. And I really like it. I feel like it adds a lot of atmosphere. To adds a lot of layers and definitely more energy to the songs for sure. Definitely. Yeah, it just gives it more texture, you know, it just gives it more. It's cool. So. Exactly. So next song I wanted to uh, check out here and talk about is uh, Creating the Abyss. That was another another song that you guys put out recently. And, and that was amazing too. Tell us a little bit about that track. Um, Creating the Abyss is really uh, kind of like a tone poem. Um, what I was trying to do musically with that song was is write something that's in four. And if you count it, it is four from start to finish, but it sounds like it, it goes all over the place with time signatures and that's intentional. I wanted it to feel like it was really stretching the, you know, the fabric of time and space, but in reality, it's really in four. Um, and it's got that churning sort of, it's a, it's polyphonic. Okay. It's a polyphony where I've got the, the bass is playing and the rhythm guitar is playing this one sort of riff. And then there's a halftime riff that goes over top of that. The drum is playing something else. And then the vocals sing something else on top of that. So it's really a, like a fabric. It's definitely weaved together. And if you take any one part out of it, I've seen a couple of people say on YouTube, actually quote on the song, that it doesn't sound like the vocals match the music. And I can and I can understand how someone might hear it that way, because it really is a bit of a puzzle musically. It's a it's a Rubik's Cube. It fits together the way it does. Um, and it may be a little off-putting. I could see somebody like not being able to catch catch that. Um, mm -hmm. if you take any one of those elements out of it, the song is not the same. It yeah. all depends on itself to really work, which is very, very different as well for most of the record. It's really the only song, I think, on the record that really is like that sort of churning, and it never stops. It's like that from the opening riff all the way to the end, which is definitely. cool. Definitely. <laughs> well, I think it's an amazing track, and we wanted to play the uh, video for that real quick. We'll take another break here, and we'll be right back on Talking About Rock. We'll check out the video for Creighton the Abyss. <laughs>
Okay, we're back here on Talking About Rock. Just checked out the uh, track for Creating the Abyss. Another another amazing track that from the uh, from the Dismorde album that's coming out August fifth. So, what's what's the plan of attack uh, going forward for you guys? Are there is there some tour dates coming down the line? Or are you still working things out, or what's what's the plan? Up oh, just the order of things that are going to happen. So the record comes out August fifth. Uh, we'll start to explore what our touring options are after the record is out, because obviously that's when you start to get those offers. Right. We are already in the studio recording the follow-up to Dismorta. We hope to have the nice. follow-up within 12 to 14 months. So there's not a long gap between the releases. Keep it, keep us current in people's minds um, and just keep going with it, man. I mean, really like just, Right now, with the band as tight as it is in terms of the unit, the, I have a great lineup now. Um, and everybody very, very sort of uh, intent on the same thing. We want to go out and support the music. We want to record new music, and we want to support what we've got out. So you've got a very focused unit that's ready to go out and play. So I imagine you'll see quite a bit of us live. I mean, that's in the States, Europe, Latin America. We plan on going everywhere we can. Um, and as long as finances allow because obviously you can't just jump out and play for free it has to make sense but i think we i think we're going to be able to play a lot i think we're going to get out there a lot this time around that sounds excellent we hope to see you out there for sure so folks want to know more about you where should they check you out on social media your site or well you know um at this point we're everybody's it's the same i think for all of us now really like spotify is like and instagram are sort of becoming our main places to do business facebook has dropped off i hate to say it but facebook yep. just losing a lot of power now so i mean you've got my page josh christian toxic i'm on there toxic officials on there you can find toxic on facebook we're on instagram Massacre has a nice portal for us. Um, again, Spotify, we've got 50,000 followers there. Please go to Spotify and follow us. Um, that makes probably more of a difference than anything else in terms of what the record company is looking at and, and right. getting us work. So the yeah. more people we have supporting us on Spotify and the streaming uh, um, sites, the better. And uh, yeah, that's it. Come and find us and, and enjoy the new record, man. We really busted our ass to give it, to put something out that's legit. Yeah, so. well, it's really great. I like it. And, and I definitely agree with you. The Spotify streaming is a huge thing right now. So we hope to yep. see you guys out on tour. The album's out August 5th. Josh, thank you so much for being with us today. We really thank appreciate you, it, man. And if you folks out there want to know more about us, or you have questions or comments, please feel free to email us at talkingaboutrock at gmail.com. Please like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can check out this interview on YouTube. And we'll be dropping it to all the streaming services soon. Josh, again, thanks for being with us tonight, man. Right on, Rob. Thanks again. Metal family, good people out there, one and all. Thank you very much.